0: Reconciliation. What does this mean to you? This is the Journey with Care podcast, where we navigate honest conversations about faith, culture, and loving our neighbours. I am the host, Melvina Kabosh, and I am an Indigenous lover of Jesus. Welcome back to another episode of Journey with Care with Melvina Kabosh. I'm here in the studio today with David Harper, former Grand Chief. I invited David to come and sit with us around the table to talk about some topics and some issues that I feel he can speak towards. I'm very honored and pleasured that he is able to come and join Journey with Care to discuss some insight into Indigenous communities and all that he does for our Indigenous people. He has lots of influence. He is well-respected in um, our Indigenous community and in the Christian community. Um, He is a member of Encounter Life Church. He works and helps in ministry, and he does a a lot of different things. I actually just want him to just let us know what he's currently up to since he is not the chief no more, but God is using him in different ways and uh, different capacities. So what is it that you do
1: now? Currently, I work for a company that uh, owns the airlines in Manitoba, Exchange Income Corporation. So I've been with them from the beginning when they first started off, when they bought out Perimeter Airlines back in 2004. For a year there, I was out of office as a chief in my community, and they hired me to help them out. And where communities are more involved in in a say, and also they're, they're also part of the, the organization where everybody has ownership. Every community that Perimeter flies into, they all have ownership and partake in any decisions that are made. So that's that's where I am currently. And I'm glad to be back there again. So they have a lot of influence in, in, in terms of First Nation involvement, and in terms of businesses that are opening up in uh, different parts of Canada.
0: Oh, awesome. It sounds like a
1: good job. It <laughs> a, is. A
0: fun job. Do you get to fly all over the place?
1: Exactly, yes.
0: <laughs> awesome. The perks of working for an airline, eh? You get to fly into communities. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, where you come from and, you know, I guess your walk and your journey thus far.
1: Well, I gave my life to the Lord back in 1997. My life was turned upside down at that time, but at the same time also um, seeking God and seeking direction. You know, I I had a dream one night. I used to work for that airline, Premier Airlines. I used to work for the airline... And I had I had my pilot's license, and I had everything going well. But at one point in my life where everything fell apart, my family life totally, totally fell apart. And that's when I started seeking the Lord. And I remember this one night that these elders were gathering in uh, North Anna Winnipeg. It's a United Church circle of elders that come from Saskatchewan, Alberta, Ontario. I'm not sure if it's part of Quebec, but anyways, they uh, they had a meeting there one night. And I asked my dad. My dad was there, and I said, I want, to, "I want to come to that service. They have an evening service." So that evening, that particular evening, they were having prayer services, and I says, "I said, Dad, can I can I go for prayer?" That was a time when I called on the Lord, and uh, I remember that old that one of the elders came and hugged me, and I felt that's the first time I ever felt Jesus hugging me. Oh wow! That was that was a really uh, that was a turning point in my life. No, you know, it's not easy. It's not an easy walk, but you know, the Lord is there to help us, and that's where my my life changed. And I remember having this dream one night, where this group of four people were standing in the midst of now um, in the grounds. And I remember this one man coming to me and he told me, "You have to go home and run for chief." From that time on, I said I can't run for chief because you know my family life isn't even together. And then I remember that elder, the longest-serving chief in my community, telling me, you know, he practically gave me heck. I said when I told him that I can't run for chief, and he says to me, "Of all my lifetime, of all the books I read in my life, there's not one that I've read where it says you cannot lead your people because your wife left you." Mm. And that, you know, it that, that is so true because a lot of um, a lot of our communities and our youth—they're being. Um, condemned for for the, all the wrongs that they do, but you know clearly the bible says that uh, you know the gall, God uses the foolish to yes. to change so that's where um that's where my life changed and and throughout that time that I started uh, being chief i got got called to being chief again and then um working with other First nations and communities and you know when when I left that uh, that one point in two thousand one I believe for three years I asked the Lord to show me how a preacher man travels. How do you, how does a preacher man travel? And those are the hardest <laughs> lessons I ever learned. And I shouldn't have asked for that question, but <laughs> I'm glad I did. Now I learn, now I know, because they go by faith. Yes, they, they, There's no money involved. And I remember my late brother telling me, don't think you're, you're going to travel like a chief when you work for the Lord, because Jesus uh, rode on a donkey. And, and sure enough, you know I found out the, the very hard way but be- very humbling way how a preacher man travels and today I really respect people that are out there traveling for the Lord and I try to bless them as much as I can and I know I know that they're traveling by faith. Yeah and I hear a lot of stories that and a lot of um, feedback you know you helped me at this point that during that time you know th- that those are those feel good. How many communities
0: do you think that you've been able to travel into?
1: Well, I've traveled quite a bit here in Manitoba, and traveled most of it in Ontario. But uh, I remember parking one night in uh, between uh, Trans Canada and um, Sulaco, I was waiting for my son to get off the, the, uh, a ride from Thunder Bay. And the Lord and I and clearly here the Lord spoke to me. I was looking at the map of North America, and the Lord told me, "I'm going to take you right to the very south." Of uh, United States, which is a White River Apache Nation, and I'm going to take you way up to the north in uh, Rankin Inlet, uh, the uh, Inuit communities. Yes. So I've been, we've been able to travel to those communities, and at least over close to 200 communities, we've been traveling to the last several years.
0: Um, yeah, we, I see it all over Facebook. You go into many, you travel all over the place. <laughs> In these communities, when you're invited into these communities and you travel into these communities, what are some of the things, the struggles, the barriers, some of the things that the community members are facing?
1: They're almost all the same. The, the, the Indigenous communities, right from, from Rankin all the way to Manitoba, Ontario, Canada. In the states, are almost the same. It's housing issues. Housing, okay. And and a lot of it comes from uh, things like residential schools and broken families, CFS system, sixty scoop. They all come from that same same uh, dilemma. So for us to come together and realize that uh, you know we we got to overcome this tragedy that that happened in the past, it's going to take the next generation to to be able to overcome it.
0: Speaking about reconciliation, I want to ask you
1: a question: uh, What does reconciliation mean to you? Well, reconciliation starts with us. A lot of First Nations, we, we've been the, the mind of colonization the, and, and how it tears us apart, and, and for, for us to be apart—not for us, for the, for the child that is within us—was uh, was was broken. So reconciliation has to start within our communities. I mean. Look at our churches here in uh, here, here in Winnipeg alone. You know we rarely come together, rarely, and and that's where it has to start first. Yes, it's it's welcoming that other institutions are opening up, but the real the real reconciliation starts from us. Okay,
0: so in your travels in the communities, how have you seen um, reconciliation happening amongst the community members? I know that in our indigenous culture, our indigenous there's two separate things. There's the Christian belief and there's traditional belief. So, how do you see reconciliation working in the communities with those
1: two dynamics? It's really that the, the elders are brought everybody together. I mean, it's just like a, a mother. When you, when you have a mother in, in the home, she's the one that actually sets the rules. And you know, when the mom is gone, you know, the house turns upside down. Same thing in, in our communities where where the elders are the prime the spiritual, the spiritual heads of of, of those communities. You know, we can say the chief and council, uh, we can say the the, the mayor and council, but really it's it's the elders that that have that knowledge to, to be able to bring these people together.
0: The heart of Care Impact and the vision of Journey with Care is to connect and equip the whole church to effectively journey in community with children and families in hard places. From your experience, what would it look like for the church to journey
1: well with others? The church has to come out and be able to help. We've been out in the streets the last several years. And as we're out in the streets in the last several years, a lot of these youth, especially the youth that are coming out of CFS, the youth that are coming out of jails, they're being left out in the street, right? So now our goal is to be able to help these people, help these young men and women, be able to get housing, and it's not easy to just to get a an ID for a person yeah. that doesn't have n- no
0: no other IDs, no other IDs yeah.
1: exactly. So th- those are the key issues in order for them to get an apartment, in order for them to get uh, help from the city. As going back to the question, really at the at the, at the very beginning, that each community has to set uh, a precedent where to keep the youth. In, in the in the home mm-hmm. in the home community, yeah. Because once they're out in the street, they, there's no going back. Yeah, it's very hard for a lot of them. I'm so proud of this guy. Name I'll I'll say let's call him Cody, and um, you know he he has no IDs during COVID. We, he got stuck in Brandon. We couldn't get him to Winnipeg. Finally, he's here, and we've been looking after him. And they they live in the, in 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 the north end of Winnipeg, and they have. Mm-hmm. Eight people living in, in that one house. And he has not had a single assistant from the city or or anybody. And I was so impressed how how he survives. He's 17. He almost has his grade 12. So mm-hmm. he he, ha- he has time to go back. But, you know, there's drugs and alcohol involved almost every day. But the thing is, at the end of the day, we need to move forward in, in terms of helping people like that, g- getting away from the street. Once he's out in the street, then what? Do, what are we going to do, right? Yeah, and and it's very addictive to get dr- addictions, addictions of drugs, meth, and cocaine. You, you, you name them; they're all out there.
0: So, one of your passions is helping the homeless. And did it start during COVID that you started? You guys got went out there and started to help the homeless.
1: That's when we opened up publicly. We, okay. we, we've been doing this for several years now. I've been I've been uh, personally I've been at it. Like as far as 97, 96, you know, I, every time Lot Thunder had meetings and uh, I would go to the service and I would help out. And, you know, in, in the evenings I would go for a ride because I was alone. My Like like I said, my family was broken up and I was alone. And I would take a drive and I would pick up two or three people off the street. And I said, today's Thanksgiving. Did you have your supper yet? I said, they would say no. Said, well, let's go for supper, your your choice. I'll take you anywhere you want to go. And a lot of them, I, re- I still remember these four four people. And one and then I just bought this new truck, and I just bought this brand new truck, and I picked up this one lady, and no two ladies and two men, and one lady had her pants all wet, and I thought to myself, am I gonna let her in my truck? Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, I said, you know, I don't care. This is the way she is. I'm gonna accept her the way she is. Yeah. I asked them, "What do you What do you guys want to have for supper? It's, it's Thanksgiving, and they said KFC.
0: No, they wanted some KFC. <laughs> yeah,
1: that was steak and go to the cake or somewhere. No, it's KFC. <laughs> that was their treat, and I really, I really enjoy that. And and a lot of them, even uh, this past um, winter, we we go to this place at 190 Disraeli. And when we get there, and I, and I would ask him, "What is your treat today? What do you What do you want?" And same thing, KFC. KFC.
0: <laughs> so simple, eh? Simple. I yes. love that that chicken. <laughs> 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 um. So working with the homeless and working with you know people that are stuck on the streets, are on living on the streets, the addiction and whatever got them there. What are some of the stories that you hear? Like, is is it trauma from the past? Is it you know they've come out of uh, care? Is it you know, residential schools? What are some of the stories?
1: It's a mixture of both, a mixture of uh, both. But one of the biggest stories, like, I always repeat this story. I was in Thompson. I was, a, I was a grand chief at that time. And I was sitting there having a breakfast, and I ordered steak and eggs. And I could hear that that voice inside me as I was looking across the street. There's these people going into the dump, into the dumpster, hmm. the canisters. And they were going in there looking for food. And I could hear that voice saying to me, are you done eating? Wow. After you're done eating, now look at them. Are you going to go feed them? And I, when I heard that voice, I said, yes, Lord, I'm, I'm going to do this. And I went and got meals and I approached them. And um, I remember this: uh, these two people, one of them was asked, one, one person, was this lady was asked, why, why are you out in the street? You have a home. You know where to go home. It's you have a beautiful home waiting for you. And the question she asked us was, "Have you ever been raped five mm-hmm. times in a single day?" And that, you know that that really shocked me. And and I'm going, "What? That's why I'm here. I can't. I can't overcome the, this this disaster that I went through. This this nightmare, and it haunts me every day." Hmm. Another man who, who's very strong and you know physically, you can tell he's a, he's he, he's a trapper and he's he's a hunter and he's a provider. Same thing, drinking out in the street. And we asked him, "Why are you here? Why are you here?" He said, "Have you ever been in a river where your child goes into the river system and there's nothing you can do as your child goes down down, down river down the river? Down river. What 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 do you do?" That's why I'm here. A lot of stories like that, basically all they want is somebody to talk to them, somebody to tell them that that all it takes is Jesus loves you. Yeah. I remember this one uh, in um, Onion Lake, Saskatchewan. As I was about to sing, and this young girl comes and sits down, and I I hear the Lord telling me, tell her that Jesus loves you, and that's it. Jesus loves you, and I approached that young girl. I said, "You know what? I heard before I was singing, I heard the words come to me to tell you that Jesus loves you." I didn't know her story until a few minutes, a few, not even a month ago, when I was passing by uh, Onion Lake, Lloyd Minister. I had a message from that that girl. It was about three years. She says, "I, I says I've been wanting to get a hold of you. I, I wanted to tell you." That night, that was my last stop. I was on my way home to commit suicide. Hmm. I had about a whole two pages worth of court documents, court court incidents that i have been going through, break and enter, stealing a truck, stealing a vehicle, break, uh, uttering threats, being on cocaine, and the list goes on and on and on. And I told him, take it to the Lord, trust the Lord. And in my thoughts, she said, I wanted to tell you, you don't know how I feel. You don't know why I'm here. And she says to me, from that day walking home, all I could hear is trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. And that Jesus loves you. Hmm. And that was it. You know, the message was simple. Just simple words. And and I gave her a hug that night. And she says, my life, I turned around. And this month, he says, this was a few months, uh, a couple of months ago. It was my last court date. I got no record. I got everything on trial awesome. Everything. I don't have to report to a probation officer. I am free today and I I live for the Lord and I thank him every day. And then from that day when we met her, you know, I adopted her as my spiritual daughter. And and lives like that, you know, when you have that impact, it, it makes you wanna continue going. So that's 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 one of the biggest uh, reasons why, you know. you you look at don't bypass put it this way don't bypass anybody that's on the street that's looking for a cup of coffee all you just tell them is get here's a cup of coffee and jesus loves you Mm -hmm. you know be be that good samaritan
0: you know we often don't realize or we don't know or just lack of knowledge you know the people that are on the streets or the people that are in in the system or the one that's addicted or the one that their child was taken away we don't often know the story behind it or why this is happening or why people are broken or hurt or homeless. And and there is a story. There's always a story. There's always a reason. There's a they didn't just choose one day to be there. But when we show the love of God, the love and the grace that God has shown each of us, when we, when we show that love of God, just in your story, right? It it's impactful and it it has influence mm-hmm. um to show love and to show mercy and to show grace the way we were showing it. And she remembered it. That's right. And she remembered it. That's that's an awesome story. Thanks for sharing that. In what ways would you coach someone, Indigenous or non-Indigenous, in your context that is interested in reconciliation but does not know how or where to begin?
1: There's a lot of uh, people available. A couple of gentlemen that I'm very influenced by is Andrew and Jim Thunder. Yes. They have um, a project going and just yesterday or two days ago, I had a call from a, a school trustee out in um, Alberta or west of Alberta, a place called Elk. And this, this gentleman called me and says, I'm a school trustee. I want to be able to help out in bringing reconciliation to the church and also the school. How do I approach it? I said, it's, it's, it's creating an awareness and, and the school would be, you know, the first and foremost way of showing the, the, the community and, and, and the people what impacts that we went through and also to be able to educate your community and and then some are reluctant to, to to look into that yeah same old you know begging and you know that's all you want no it's beyond that you know it, once you have that awareness and that's why I'm very and, and I connected him with uh, Jim Thunder and Jim was able to talk to the, the trustee, so they're going they're going to connect again. They have some kind of um, a program, a project that they've gone with uh, University of Winnipeg, uh, University of Manitoba, and uh, different other communities that uh, that have called on them. Because Jim, I, I, I've been in one of the panels where Jim's uh, project was, and, it, and and we had to do what happened in the past and when when these times occurred, and now where we are, or we're at now and where we're heading. You know, it's it it has I've I've really promoted his uh, his work you learn a lot from his projects.
0: Yeah. The executive director of Care Impact really, really appreciate Jimmy Thunder and, and Andrew and and what they do for the indigenous people. Yes. And you know, the education and stuff that they have to back up, you know, their teachings and what reconciliation means. I think what is it called? Reconciliation Thunder or <laughs> something like that. Something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, they're they're an awesome, awesome duo, those two. To me that sounds like healthy collaborations, right? It is. So and I think that is a big part of uh, reconciliation is healthy collaborations, and so when when I say healthy collaborations, what does that mean to you?
1: Well, to be able to have a, a clean dialogue between two people or an, an institution, and the first to put it this way, the First Nation, because a lot of times there's been a lot of um, racial, you know, tensions between between let's say let's say uh, a company. Okay. A company that, uh, you know, when you look at the the whole uh, structure, and, you know, there's no, uh, when, when you don't see no um, color, colored people like our people, mm-hmm. in, in, to be sit, sitting in boards and to be sitting in uh, places like, you know, as board of directors, this is where, you know, changes have to be made in, in that particular organization. No, And, and we can't be graciously, you know, motivated by by the color itself, but also, but to have a clear dialogue and be able to understand, instead of us knocking on the doors on the outside, that's what I've always promoted when when I was a chief in my community. And I said, you know, for companies that are coming in, even government, even in government, we we we, we need our people inside government, and it doesn't matter what what parties they're in. They could be in Liberal, yes. NDP. Instead of us banging on the doors from the outside, we got to have our people on the inside we got to support them then once we have an influence inside then we can we have these doors open on the outside
0: yes I, I agree with that you know i think that the heart of what's going to happen in the future you know the harvest that's coming is is healthy collaborations and and bringing all nations around the table you know and in that unity and in that respect that i'm not just bringing you to sit you here but i'm bringing you here so you can teach and we can learn exactly and from both ends right yeah. so i think you know the non-indigenous people have great insight and great knowledge and and wisdom along with the indigenous people we also were raised you know from the land and and we have wisdom and we have knowledge of of our land right and and our people and what it is gonna take to come out of healing and what reconciliation looks like. One question I do want to ask you because you your heart is so close to the homeless is what do you define as poverty? How do you define poverty?
1: Well poverty, I mean we've been how how the words were portrayed at the very early part of the colonizers, put it that way. They they brought the word. And the word, when they brought the word out and, and the way it was translated, it tells our people you can't be rich. Mm-hmm. And, and when you hear it from the elders, the, the word rich, to mean to means to have everything, right? But the Word of God says, you know, we'll prosper and, and we'll have favor. Those are two different meanings. But it, the poverty part are, are, so, are so driven, you know, the, the word poverty and to be humble are driven in a different text, meaning you can't have all that. You can't have a beautiful home there, and and and, and your people are here. Yeah, yeah. That's that's where you, the words were portrayed, and we gotta tell our people that. We gotta tell our youth, it's okay to buy a home in Winnipeg. It's okay to buy a home in the suburbs. It's okay to have a job and to, and to have things to have it? things. Yeah, and and, and that's where uh, when when we define poverty, our people are we're stuck. Our youth are stuck in in reservations. And they they could do way better, and it's it's the translation, the translations from the early church that that brought it to the first nations. He can't be rich. He can't have all this. You know the the way the words were portrayed. Mm-hmm. I, I remember my grandfather was a was a, a reverend, United Church reverend, and the way they were taught these different words. He can't. But my grandfather was a. You know, he was a hunter. He, had, he was one of the first persons to have a, an outboard motor in Allen Lake. So, you know, and my, my mom would say, you know, your, your grandpa would go by, you know, as we're paddling. And of course, uh, you know, the other, the other people would say, you're not supposed to be rich. <laughs> so, again, that's the words of uh, between rich and, and you know, in poverty. The word poverty in, in our First Nations has, has been rapid so much. In a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with the education. We have to learn how to invest. We have to learn how to create wealth. Yes. Yes.
0: So throughout your travels into different communities and all around Canada and the U.S., in conversations around the table, in, in conversations of reconciliation, of poverty, of homelessness, of the child welfare system, healthy collaborations, whatever conversations you're involved in. Who do you see that is missing around the table of discussion? And what would it look like to make room for them? And what kind of impact would that be? Like, who is missing, first of all? To be
1: honest, the church. The church is not, not part of the discussions. We're so confined. And only this is allowed in the church. Even here in the city of Winnipeg, we have this, um, we call it Jesus Fest. It started in, uh, during COVID. And we wanted to bring all the churches, First Nation churches together, all of them. And of course, two or three will not show up. Yeah. You know, and that's what I mean about reconciliation. It starts from us. This is the whole key. Once we get together, and then we can bring others in. And when, when that happens, then we're, we're in for a, a major breakthrough. You know, somebody's out there praying. Yes, yes, they are praying. Yes, they are busy. But just to have that one time of, of coming together, you know.
0: So when you say that that reconciliation, now I understand what you meant when it said you said it starts with us. So the Indigenous people. Reconciliation starts with us, the Indigenous people. And so for that to go forth, what does that take? That takes, you know, healing. What? Um, for it to start with us, what do we need to to do to be able to, you know, move forward to invite other people in?
1: It's a spiritual process, right? It's it's just really it's spiritually. I mean, look at Sousa um, Street. Mm-hmm. The Sousa Streets started with, with one group of people in, in in a home, and I just came from there just uh, last week. And I don't know what uh, you know. I was I was at our home church. I was on a Sunday, and I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, "I'm taking you back to." Bonnie Bray House Tuesday. Wow. And I'm going, Bonnie Bray House Tuesday. I didn't tell my wife. I didn't tell nobody until I'm going back to Bonnie Bray House. So when I went to Bonnie Bray House, sure enough, I had left Tuesday. I got to Bonnie Bray House on Wednesday. The doors were locked. Everything was, nobody's answering. So I, I phoned this one phone number. I've, I've been trying to connect them all since since Sunday, trying to go visit. And we had a history lesson there. Uh, in 1906, when when revival hit that place, it was a group of people that came together and under one, under one, one accord. And the whole revival took place in, in North America. And, and that's what I mean. We have to come together as one. Uh-huh. And, and, and for reconciliation to happen, but everything else to happen. And one of the amazing parts was 1922, or, uh, right after the passing of, um, of uh, William J. Seymour. His prophecy was in the next hundred years, there's going to be another awakening, another revival that's going to take place. Well, what year is it today? It's 2022, exactly 100 years. Wow. So something is about to take place and something, something is, is about to happen. Through. Because when the revival took place in 1906, when one of the pastors from, uh, I believe, is A.J. AG, AG argue. Uh, we went to Sousa um, Street when he came home, and the word goes that the a chief from Fisher River came to the meeting, his meetings, and he got filled, and he took it home. And from there, it went to Dauphin River, uh, Fairford, and all across Canada to every First Nation. And that's where we're at today. And, you know, the coming of uh, the Lord is very near, and the greatest revival in North America is about to take place. It's about to take place. Yes.
0: Amen. You know, one of the things that I've I've experienced, you know, three years ago, the Lord called me out of what I knew to be ministry, and that is, you know, the Indigenous people. We go revival tent meeting, tent meeting, you know, church to church. You know, um, He pulled me out and He brought me into um the mission field, and so it's quite different. It's a different dynamic, and so I've been able to connect and to get to know, um, I guess a lot of the capital C church. So I'm seeing this division where there's this big group of Indigenous church population mm-hmm. throughout Canada, throughout the States. But with the capital C church, the white church, I guess you would say, even in Winnipeg, they don't necessarily know the Indigenous pastor. You know, I was around this table and I was talking about my my in-laws and, and Willard Gabosh being one of the first Indigenous pastors of Winnipeg, like 30 years ago, mm-hmm. and no one around the table knew who he was. Why do you think that is?
1: Basically, it's... Like a lot of those churches, even the United Church, United Church of Canada. I've studied about the United Church of Canada because I grew up in the United Church of Canada. But when you go to another United Church, they don't know who who, they're, who the other pastors are. They're not connected, mm-hmm. right? But in our communities, we know who's who who's who in every community. But now when we come into the city, you know, Pastor Leon, mm-hmm. does Pastor Leon know Pastor Sudden and such? Does Pastor... Uh, said such no Pasture Leon. you know yes. you know it's it, and a lot of things are you know when we we want to bring people together, we want to be able to bring an impact into every every street corner of Winnipeg. But the thing is you know there's there's got to be there's got to be a time and place. I've said this long a while back. when I was a grand chief, we brought all the chiefs together. You know, from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south. They, we all came together here in Winnipeg. We did that twice. And then it was the first time we included the gospel in, in those meetings. Mm-hmm. And and of course, you know, there's, you know, this reluctance, but which is fine. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's a beginning. It's a process. Uh, some took it, some didn't. And that's the same thing that's happening with churches. We need to have one Big meeting and to know to to know who's pastor, mm-hmm. who is the pastor of that church. Because the thing is that when we go through that, that's why there's so many, many missing pieces when we try to help out in the street. Who's looking after these? Even um, the the institutions of Salvation Army, the uh, Main Street Project, Salone Mission. You know they have their own programs running, but the thing is, here we are. A lot of these people keep those people in there for a purpose, which is funding. Yes. And
0: I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that because, you know, being out in in the mission field and being a part of, you know, getting to know these organizations and how they operate and whatnot, a lot of it is geared towards funding. Exactly. You know, and one thing that really has, you know, struck my heart is they're getting funding off of the Indigenous people. Exactly. Yeah. So that's just a whole other topic, Um, a whole other topic. But I feel that God is raising up strong Indigenous leaders, um, strong biblical leaders, you know, that uh, follow his guidance and his direction. And, you know, there's a remnant that's coming that has been raised up. And I would love for, you know, an all Indigenous organization to be birthed out of that. Where, you know, I feel like healing, like you said, has to come from us. Mm-hmm. It starts with us, right? Yep. So it, I know that God has been good to many of us Indigenous people. And He has healed many of us. You know, we we know the love of God. We know His His mercy and His grace. And to be able to pass that on to the next Indigenous person. You know, even though the the residential schools tried to make Him be out to be be this person, this person of hurt, this person that did this to our people. But the one true God that we know, that's not him. That's not his love, right? That's like, true. Because he's love and he's kindness and and he wants us to be reconciled back to him. That's why he sent his son to die on the cross, that we would be reconciled back to him. So, you know, out of this, I, I do have a desire to see, you know, an all indigenous organization rise up and rightfully take their place in helping gear you know, reconciliation and healing for our people.
1: Yeah, to come together, like, again, this summer we're doing a, another. Um, the first one was Jesus 2020. It was during COVID and in the midst of COVID, and right in between there, like, nobody can't go anywhere anyway. So we had we had one here in the city. And, and Jesus 2022, same thing. And now we're going to have Jesus 2021 last year. But Jesus 2022, a gospel fest, where we we want to try and bring every church to um, into the city of Winnipeg that has a church in Winnipeg to be involved in that, in, in that uh, gathering. So we there's an opening here on August 5, 6, and 7, and it's going to be at uh, the Forks. So that's something that we were looking forward to. And what we're doing at that time is that 190 Disraeli is a, a shelter. So we want to be able to have a, a citywide campaign to bring clothing, to bring one of the important part about uh, about homelessness is women's feminine products. Mm-hmm. They, those are badly needed. They, they're yeah. really needed. And, and 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 when you see women like that, last summer I was really struck. I went under the bridge at uh, Misericordia, mm-hmm. and under the bridge there, and a young man comes out and he says to me, "Do you have any uh, feminine products?" I said, "I can go pick some up right now." I'll be right back. So I went to a shopper drug mart. We we dropped them off. All of a sudden, under that bridge, there was about twelve women that came out, and and they were really thankful. Thank you for bringing these things. So every now and then, if you're traveling out and about, just you know have have a, have a little care package for for women because they really need it, and they're very thankful that it's 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 a need. It's a need. Yeah. Yes. So that's what we're going to be doing in August five, six, seven.
0: So how would. The churches in Winnipeg, the Capital C, the big churches, all the other denominations, how would they get a hold of you if they wanted to partner and, uh, you know, kind of build this healthy collaboration alongside um, your vision?
1: Yeah, they can call me, my personal cell, 204-880-1414 or David harper 790 at gmail. And we're going to be posting this online and on Facebook very soon. And we just we needed a confirmation from uh, the Forks, which we got this morning. Or, or that's now, exciting. It is. It's an exciting to be a major campaign that we're going to be doing. So now that the the forks is open, so now we have to extend more singers during the afternoons. I mean, it's it's for everyone, and we have people from uh, Arizona coming in, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Ontario, Quebec. So it, it's a mixture of singers and uh, preachers. So,
0: so is this primarily Indigenous ministries? It is. It, it is, is.
1: But but it's 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 open. I mean, we're open to other other singers, and I mean, we've had different people from different denominations that came in and share, and you know, be able to ha- have an impact into into or into the singing. So we're not just close to First Nations only; we're, we have to be open.
0: Yes, um, I think that I think that's a great step towards um, reconciliation, just even in the body of Christ, right? Because I see that separation, I see that separation of indigenous, um, the indigenous population, to the capital C, and you know, I guess there's an invite out there now that you you put that invite out there that if anyone wants to um, join in partnership or collaboration, come alongside, walk alongside this journey of Jesus Fest. It's called Jesus Fest, right? Yes, Jesus Fest and support the Indigenous ministries because there's many across Canada. There's so many, like there's so many Indigenous ministries across Canada and in the U.S. that have powerful ministries and God uses them mightily and just great gifts and talents and amazing singers. That's so if you would like to come alongside David Harper and his team, uh, reach out to him. Um, his email and his phone number will be in the footnotes um, so you'd be able to have his contact information just a, a few more questions before I let you go here. What word of encouragement would you like to share with other Indigenous listeners?
1: One of the things I've I've, I've listened to, I mean, the word that really, really struck my heart is in the Philippians 2, 13 For it is God who works in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. You know, that really struck my heart when, when we're out. And then, and then when we try to invite other people, and then here I uh, I began to murmur and complain. You know, in the next verse, you know, the Lord really spoke to me here on um, Philippians 2 and 14. It says, do all things without murmuring and disputing. <laughs> <laughs> keep reading, you know. That's what the Lord said, keep reading. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I've taught myself to stop murmuring. And, you know, you do what you do. And if they can't be there to do it, then you do it for them.
0: What is one of the things you wish non-Indigenous Christians would understand about your story or about the vision God has given you or the call that God has upon your life um, to reach your people? What would you want them to understand if you know had a whole room full of people listening to you right now?
1: Well, for me personally, I, I, always, invite, I always invite people to come with me on the street and be able to hear the voices, the words of those people that are out in the street. How to get him out? There was this one young lady, one young lady who, who who we picked up in the street, and she was ready to go to sleep that night. We picked her up, and I said, "What what brought you here?" Well, I had a back injury, and during my back injury, I was getting this. Uh, I had this painkillers. You know, it it went from one painkiller to another one, and I needed more. Yeah. And now, now I'm out in the street, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that kind of impact. So now today, she, she has her own home. Oh, wow. I mean, little things like that, we can get these people off the street and be able to, you know, and then start telling them about Jesus and what the Lord can do in your life.
0: So what, what would this look like to journey with care in this context? Like, so our listeners, how would you invite them? Alongside to
1: journey with care with you in this. Every now and then, if you if you're to come out well, or go go talk to, and then these people are very um, our friends and that are out in the streets. They, they're very reluctant to open up. You know, they they need a trust. And if you're to have um, talk to two or three people that their lives change completely, and then we're able to hear their side of the story. But if it's meant for for us to to speak on their behalf, then, you know, it's it's something that this particular group would be able to have an impact.
0: Well, I thank you. I thank you for coming on and sharing, you know, your story and some of the, your travels with me on Journey with Care. You know, I know your heart and your passion is for the homeless and to walk alongside them. And so I, I know that you accept donations, right? You accept yes. donations, blankets, socks, clothing. Uh, But most importantly, like you mentioned, women, feminine products. Yes. And so, when do you go out onto the streets? Is it like once a week
1: or every certain night? We like last night and the night before. Last night I went out, and uh, you know, a lot of those people that used to sleep in the uh, bus shelters, they've now moved to under bridges or behind uh, certain canisters. It's a little warm now, so they they've started their own little Mm. tent villages along the rivers and along the streams of uh, of Winnipeg, we don't see them, but they are there. So we we try to accommodate them. But you got to really watch certain certain of certain camps are are not doing too good because they 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 make meth, they make drugs in in, in certain camps. You got to really watch which which ones they are. You know, really got to pray, be prayed up. And one of the things I tell people is before you go out, fast and pray, because in order for those spirits to come out, there's only one way: is to fast, fast and pray.
0: Yeah. So your heart is to um, invite all churches to um, partner with you and to walk alongside you in this journey of of reconciliation and and healing and attacking this, you know, this homelessness that is 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 taking over our city. Um, so how would you ask? The church, if the church, like the capital C was sitting in front of you right now, all of them, most of them are listening. What would you ask of them? How can they partner with you? How can they come alongside you to support this vision?
1: They don't necessarily have to partner with me, but what are you doing in your church? Okay. Are you you feeding the homeless today? Mm -hmm. Are you uh, the ones that are walking by? And of course, they'll make noise and whatever. You know, they're not, uh, you know, a a lot of places they are not accepted. A lot of places are not accepted. Some are, are you know. Some want to come to hear the word just for that moment, just to be, just to be in that place. But you know what? It, again, they have spirits in them. They have, there's certain so something that's attached to them. Mm-hmm. We have to be prepared to be able to pray, and it's only through fasting and praying that these spirits will be able to leave them. Yeah. Because I did one this one one particular area. And there was eleven of them in this one particular shelter, and I fasted and prayed. For on the fifth night, I, I went and checked up on them; they were all gone. Mm. I was so I was so amazed. I was I was so happy, and you know, we if, there, if more people can do that, you know, at, at Jesus Fest, what I ask because you know it's 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 a place where we're going to. I would ask every singer. I would ask every preacher. You know, at least fast and pray one or two days before you come come to that yeah. meeting and see the impact.
0: Well, I'm excited for Jesus Fest 2022. Yes. I'm excited for that. It'll be at the Forks this year, so that's exciting. Um, you know, they have so many different activities and concerts and stuff that happen at the Forks, but I don't think I've ever seen a gospel jamboree or gospel, you know, something in that context. So that's going to be awesome for the city. So I'm looking forward to that. And I just thank you for your vision and your heart for the broken and, and the homeless and, you know, just the mission that you're on for the kingdom of God. You know, I see, I see your heart. I see your willingness to, to bless. And that's one thing that I know about, about you and your wife is that you're always a blessing those in need you know, God blesses you in return. So um, I thank you for coming on and just hope you have a good day. Rest of your day. (laughs) Um, Thank you for uh, listening to another episode of Journey with Care with Melvina Gabash. Until next time, see you later.
2: Thanks for listening to the Journey with Care podcast where paths connect over real life stories and honest conversations. We hope you continue to join us on this journey of faith, reconciliation and loving our neighbor. Be sure to like, follow and share. Special thanks to host Melvina Gabosch, ARC podcast engineer Johan Heinrichs, and donors who helped make this show possible. Journey with Care is an initiative of Care Impact, a Canadian charity dedicated to connecting and equipping the whole church across Canada to effectively journey in community with children and families in hard places. Learn how Care Impact is transforming the way churches engage with child welfare with our Care Portal technology and academy training. To support this podcast or to learn more about us, go to careimpact.ca or click the link in the show notes. We're so glad you are part of this journey with us as we journey with care, even in the messy. Until next time.